I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Get outside. This is KSL Outdoors. Brought to you by Trax Power Sports Rentals. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. Navidomskis will jump back in here in a second. We'll um, uh, get you some fish bites before we get to the top of the hour and then talk some ice fishing this morning. Looking forward to connecting uh, again with our state fisheries coordinator for the Division of Wildlife Resources, Randy Oplinger. We have had more than our share of uh, news headlines recently, and one just a couple of days ago of uh, a close call up Neff's Canyon with avalanches. Of course, we want and need all of this snow, but uh, there is a cautionary tale to be told out there. And anytime we talk about avalanches, and he's really been a part of this program for many, many years, uh, I always love connecting with uh, Craig Gordon because he puts it in terms that we can all understand and hopefully abide by. Craig, good morning. It's great to catch up with you. Tis the season, I guess, huh? Indeed, Tim. Always great to hear your voice. And what a remarkable, remarkable storm we've had. You know, things kicked off in October, we dried out in November, and then just kabam, or in this case, kapow, <laughs> we just got pounded with anywhere from two and a half to, hang on to your hat, six feet of snow in upper Little Conwood Canyon. There's about an inch and a half to close to three inches of total water weight in that, and I'll get away from the snow geek speak, and what that equates to is the kind of makes our license plates famous. It's in your face. It's over the head. It's over the hood if you're out on a sled. The problem is, my friend, is not the snow that has fallen out of the sky, but during that November dry spell, we developed very weak, sugary snow. That got overloaded by a series of very strong, dense, heavy storms a couple of weeks ago, and now we put this light fluff on top. So actually, Tim, We've got a special avalanche bulletin in effect through the week, and I know it looks beautiful out. Temperatures are going to be crisp. The riding is unbelievable right now, but dangerous and unusual avalanche conditions last through the weekend, maybe into early next week. The problem is this extends all of the elevation bands. So you step out of your rig at the trailhead and you jump on a north-facing slope at low elevations, you're in avalanche terrain. So, hey, here's the, here's the deal. You can go out. You can have a blast. You'll definitely want to stay off of slopes that are steeper than 35 – excuse me, 30 degrees. You want to stay off of steep, wind-drifted slopes facing the north half of the compass. Any avalanche you trigger is going to be deep. It's going to be dangerous. It's going to be scary. We're calling it a considerable danger for the mountains of northern Utah. On a scale of 1 to 5, that's a level 3 doesn't mean you can't ride. We just got to exercise some patience, stick to those low-angle slopes, or just go out in a big meadow and carve deep trenches with your sled. You can still have a blast out there. I think over a two-day period, we had, I don't know, 12 or 13 different slides, and then the one I referenced in Neff's Canyon with, uh, luckily, a, a as good as could be expected outcome. And thank goodness there was an off-duty uh, EMT that was – out with his dog that heard this man screaming because he was buried up to his waist. But 
Last we heard, he was in the hospital and was going to survive. You mentioned that there's some uncharacteristic things here that make it a little disturbing, and one is that it's a lot of these are happening at 8,000 feet or lower. Yeah, exactly, Tim. And when we go back and, and you know, the history of our weather and our snowpack, remember we had early season snow and then those mid-November temperatures, man, for Utah, they were downright Alaska-esque. You know, they were super bitter cold for us. What that did to the surface snow was it made it extremely weak and sugary and fragile. And now we're stacking up all this snow on top. So, yeah, generally those lower elevation uh, slopes are our go-tos in times of elevated danger. This is unusual for us, so we definitely going to want to pump the brakes this weekend. But remember, uh, all we need to do right now is just exercise a little patience. We are off to an epic start to the season. Eventually, things start to uh, turn the corner. Right now, I know our stoke meter is on an 11, and that's on a scale of 1 to 10. <laughs> We've just got to ratchet it back just a little bit. And you know, Tim, avalanche conditions in the backcountry, well, they're always changing. So utahavalanchecenter.org, that's going to be your one-stop shop for all things avalanche. Yeah, I want to make sure we get that out there. You also told our newsroom, I think yesterday uh, they reached out to you, that we just have to let this snow take its course, and that means waiting for that a really sugary base to pack itself down, and and then it'll be safe to go out and play. Exactly. So patience uh, on our part is really the big ticket item. And then time on the snowpacks uh, part and working around that agenda is the other component to this. What makes things a little bit unusual, too, is that in some places, this weak layer is just barely off the ground at the lower elevations. In the upper elevations, it's more in the mid-portion of our snowpack, so that once you do trigger an avalanche, it's not getting gobbled up by you know features on the ground like rocks and stumps and deadfall. It's actually sliding on a pre-existing snow surface, so those avalanches are going to be running fast, they're going to be running far, and they're going to be packing heat, and here's the curveball. They're happening in unusual locations. Yeah. All right. One more quick question that I usually don't get time to ask you, but I worry sometimes when we tell people, don't go on slopes greater than 35 degrees. And I'm sure we have people out there that are going, how the heck would I know what a 35 degree uh, pitch looks like? Is there an easy way for people to figure that out? Yeah, actually, there is. And let's even ratchet that back more by a couple of degrees. Let's say 30 degrees. So we're going to stay off of and out from under slopes that are about 30 degrees or steeper, especially those facing the north half of the compass. And we'll throw an old school idea out with you that uh, there are plenty of uh, clinometers that are available at ski shops, at board shops, at sled shops. But here's the new school idea. Everybody's got a smartphone and there's plenty of apps that are out there for clinometers, uh, for uh, folks to figure out mountain topography. They're all out there for the taking. Just hit that search bar or, you know, simply, again, go to that one-stop shop for all things Avalanche, utahavalanchecenter.org, and click on resources. That's great. And even if it costs you a couple of bucks to put the app on your phone but it saves your life, that's worth it, right? It's huge, Tim. Hey, the biggest piece of advice right now, you can go out, you can have a blast. Let's let that snowpack settle out, gain some strength, 
and we'll look forward to talking to you next weekend. And by the way, this is coming from a guy that loves to get out there and play plenty himself. <laughs> you got it, my friend. All right. Hope to see you on the mountain soon, Craig. Thank you, as always. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Be safe. Craig Gordon from the Utah Avalanche Center. That's great stuff. We will uh, take another break. We're going to talk fishing in just a minute, and that means connecting with uh, Navi, who will hopefully uh, finish that sandwich he was about to dive into a minute ago. Thanks so much for starting your Saturday morning with us here on KSL Outdoors Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. The fish fry. It is time for fish bites this morning, and just like on Saturday Night Live, they once called for more cowbell. Listeners now want more navi. Uh, that's what we're hearing on the street. More navi. Yeah. Uh, just want to remind everybody, we're going to be talking about uh, ice fishing after the top of the hour. We've got news coming, of course, as well. But uh, Randy Oplinger will join us. We're going to talk about. How to keep yourself warm and safe on the ice, but also how to uh, make sure that you put as little stress as possible on the fish if you're catching and releasing uh, during the uh, winter months, which you talked quite a bit about ice fishing last week, and it looks like we're getting really close, and I'm sure with these cold, cold temperatures, we'll be even closer to having safe ice out there. You know, it's difficult, Tim, to release a fish when it's been caught through the ice, and it, it depends on how deep the fish was, because if they were... you. Know, by the way, when you fish ice fishing, you're, you're right on the bottom. So if you got them deep, bringing them up, that's, that's an incline that's a lot. And sometimes their um, various bladders and things, you know, increase. It has everything like scuba diving. So sometimes they just can't get back down to where they were, particularly at um, Flaming Gorge. Those, those deep ones, they really can't go back down because they're full of air. Um, well, we'll but, talk to Randy about this. One of the challenges is you don't want to fight them too hard for too long because that stresses them. But on the other hand, you want to get them out so you can see your catch. Yeah. But look, what I'm going to talk about in today's fish bites is the river. And if there's ever been a good time to release them, you could just chuck them because they're going to be absolutely fine. Because the temperature of the water is so high that the molecules, I mean, so low that the oxygen level is very high. You know, water molecules hold more oxygen in cold, so they do just fine releasing them into the river. It's just the depth of the lake that's problematic. All right, so you want to focus on stream fishing this time of year? Right, because, look, I hear a lot of people say, well, what do you do now during the winter, Mike? There's no fishing. Well, that could be my favorite time. It's like every time I talk, it's my favorite time to go fishing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But fall is my favorite time because of the colors and the cool temps. But don't neglect now. Winter fishing is phenomenal, and it, it has an aesthetic all itself. You know, the, my favorite time, really, to be alone on the river is in a snowstorm because it's acoustically dead. Something about the snow coming down if there's no wind, and it's, it's got a quiet like you never hear. And 
it and it really connects you. You feel deep into nature. And of course the fishing's phenomenal. Okay, so what do you have to worry about or where where is the are the issues that you're gonna face in the winter? And of course this time, like this week, it could be a problem because the nights are going to be clear for the next five days, which means the nighttime temperatures are going to be incredibly low. It doesn't hurt the fish in any way, but it does cause sometimes rivers to freeze over. And if they freeze over, you can't fish. And where you want to fish when you're fishing in the winter, and let me just tell you right now, I'm going to encourage you to go fishing now in the winter. It's lovely, and the fishing is phenomenal. But the fish aren't in the current as much. Um, they're, they're in the, the still water. They're in the quiet, deeper parts, and that's the part that generally freezes over, okay? But anyway, get out there in the stream, and people say, oh, it's too cold. It's, too, it's not too cold. Like I say, there's no <laughs> bad weather, just bad clothing. This is the and way the he talks to me when fine. I'm whining, by the way, when, I, when I'm out there whining. Well, I think it's, it's mostly in our head, Okay. Look, what's going to get cold is your fingers and your ears. And so a lot of people tell me that I learned so much in your class beyond fishing, and I said, give me some examples, and I can't tell you how many have said how to dress. So I'm going to focus on not what to throw at them, which is generally what I speak about. I'm going to tell you how to dress. And, and the key is this. You overdo your torso and your head. Like, that hat is, is the most important thing you're going to wear. And I got people who come with a stocking cap and a, or a ball cap. No. You want to wear that stupid, extra-thick, Elmer Fudd <laughs> hat. Look, nobody cares what you look like in the river, right, especially right. in the winter. They're just impressed that you're out there. And so what I do is I wear a base layer like skiing. I wear, like, a lot of Under Armour, okay, and then I put fleece. Now, do not have any bit of cotton on you. Nothing. Nothing can be cotton. Because if you go down, it's problematic in the winter. And it's only really problematic if you're wearing cotton, because cotton holds all the water. Cotton holds all the temps. Polar fleece is the best invention ever because it's wool that's not itchy. And your flies come out of it. You put a fly in a wool sweater, it's gone forever. So just cut the line and forget about it. Okay, yes, I have a lot of clothes with permanently flies in them. Sometimes when I can't remember what I was catching them on, I'll go grab what I was wearing, and there's one of my flies. I go, oh, yeah, they were taking that one. Yeah, and that'll wake you up early in the morning if it's stuck in your long underwear. Oh, you know, it's not a problem. I got flies in so much of my clothing. I'm not exaggerating either. Okay, so back to the warmth. Yeah. So then, then you want to get the torso extra warm. So always a vest. I wear a fleece vest or a down vest. And then I wear a significant top. Like, I don't really wear my ski parka. Um, I just wear more fleece, and then I cover it with a raincoat. So if you put a raincoat on, right, yeah. um, it's actually warmer than a parka. Because it, it, you don't want to ski in a raincoat because you'll, you'll overheat, you'll sweat. Yeah. Which is fine when you're fishing. And more importantly, don't tuck it into your waders. I, I can't tell you how many anglers will put it down, put their waders over top of everything because it's more cozy. You fall over now, your waders are full of water, and you're problematic. It's an issue. Yeah. But if you put your raincoat over your waders, when you do fall down, and you probably will, stand back up because you're fine. The water didn't go down your pants. All, all good advice, and uh, you've kept me warm in a lot of places, including up in Alaska when I was uh, really worried <laughs> and was like a, a kid listening to Dad every day on how to avoid right. getting wet. 
Yeah. You uh, have the mittens with the string on them, and so I pull one of your hands and you slug yourself in the face, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And don't forget the Elmer Fudd hat. Yes, absolutely. That's most Elmer important. Fudd I wear a fur one. Wait, 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 listen. Hunting wabbits. Wabbit twacks. Wabbit. 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 Wabbits. Wabbit. Wabbits. Wabbits. Make sure. I you on the way, yo. On the way to you. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for Fish Bites today. We appreciate it. Navidowska, stand down. We've got uh, news of the week. Or, excuse me, we've got a news update at the top of the hour. On the other side, Randy Opplinger will continue to talk fishing and focus more on ice fishing at places like Strawberry Reservoir. He'll give us an update, hopefully, on what the ice conditions are. That's next in hour number two. Also ahead. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.